Episode 303, The Rant. Level up your b-ball podcast. The return of Jesse Winter and introducing Evan Conti. As officials, the pandemic took us off the field and off the court. That goes the same for players, trainers, and coaches. Jesse returns to the pod and discusses his pivot from those early dark months to seeing light in making the most on connecting with young athletes and partnering up with Evan to make a pod. All that and more, my conversation with Jesse and Evan, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with two super special guests, uh, part two, the return of Jesse Winter, Level Up LI Travel Basketball Program Director, also a virtual basketball camp director for Junior Knicks, uh, SUNY Colt, Cortland, all-time leading scorer, and of course, a Southside legend. Mason, can you please stop? I think I'm going to leave this in, too, because he, can you stop, please, for real? Just be quiet, please. <laughs> Makes it authentic. <laughs> and the first time uh, being on the show, former head head coach on the men's side uh, for the Division II New York Tech team uh, on the basketball side and former player for the Quinnipiac Bobcats, uh, Quinnipiac University, uh, Mr. Evan Conti. How are you guys? Doing well. <laughs> Always excited to be back on here, so we appreciate you uh Coming by and having us, man. Yeah, a lot of lot has changed, and and uh, first of all, congratulations to all of your success that you have been able to at least have some semblance of normalcy of of playing basketball and starting your level up podcast, man. I, I know we had those conversations early on. Hopefully, um, I contributed to at least for you to think about it. And I know your brothers are uh, deeply entrenched in the game, but that's really awesome that you guys are doing that. I said it to you before the podcast, and I'll say it again now. I don't know if I'd be having the podcast if I wasn't on yours in the first place, so that was definitely an inspiration to us, something that Evan and I have been talking about for some time, and we felt that the timing was right to do so. So major props to us, mm. to you, to help us uh, you know, get get off the ground with that, and you know, we're just having fun with it now. I wasn't even impressed about like a Mecca Okafor. I was like, man, you got Jim Fox? <laughs> you got Jim Fox? Like, damn, that you guys are definitely right, leveling up so me. So far, Jesse was the most excited about him, but we've had relationships with Jim Fox since we were both little kids. And mm-hmm. Everyone with Jim Fox, he just 
if you're from New York and you played basketball, you coach basketball, you have any affiliation with basketball in any way in New York, you know who Jim Fox, Jim Fox is. So it's cool to have him on as his, as our first guest. Yeah, first. yeah. I was I was like, damn. I, I had to like go in, back into the basement and start like reevaluating. Um, how I'm booking these guests because I'm like Jim Fox was like one of the first people to ask. He's like, no, I don't know what that is. What radio show? No, no, thank you. So I'm happy that it got to the point where now three years later he's a little bit more open to it, and he'll probably be on the show at some point. But you know, I want to go back. Um, you know, it's like 200 episodes since we did our last one, Jesse, and you know, it was in January because it, it kind of feels the same exact you know weather and 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 beats. Um, I don't know if I told you, but I'd say around two weeks after I saw you and we recorded that podcast. Um, all of my PSAL basketball college games were going. Um, my collegiate schedule was basically winding down. But I think in the interim, in between that, I got really sick. And not only did I get sick, Mason got sick. Not only he got sick, my daughter got sick. My wife got sick. My father-in-law got sick. Come to find out is this crazy thing called the coronavirus that I ended up suffering in. And, you know, I think what was interesting for me is that my wife's a pharmacist and I think like, just on the medical side, she's just always an alarmist. So she was like, stay away from my kids, stay away from. And I was like, nah, I mean, because when you get sick and and I know how you guys are when we play ball, when we're involved in ball, like I'm not I'm not going to stop playing because I have the sniffles. Right. We're just going to just keep doing what we're doing. But, dude, I got knocked out really bad and never would I have thought that all of that stuff would just, you know, come to to what it came. And, you know, I think at that point for me. I was really gearing up for my baseball season. I was gearing up for my lacrosse season. And I know you, no pun intended, I know you wanted to level up the things that you were doing because you had a lot of momentum in 2019. So 2020 to me, as I thought, especially just speaking to you, I knew you had a lot of great, grandiose plans of where level up was going to be. And, of course, it wasn't going to be the end. But, you know, I want to go back to that time, to you, Jesse. Um, Just talk about um, those beginning moments in March how were you holding up with the coronavirus? How's your family doing? And when was, if you can go back to March, when was that moment that you took all of this like really, really serious? Well, I think it was serious from the beginning. I mean, it was uh, definitely eye-opening what was going on as far as the Level Up program. As you were saying, we had some really nice momentum. We were building season to season, year to year, bringing in more teams, bringing in great coaches with how everything was operating. And, um, you know, it, it it was definitely an adjustment in the beginning. I think... I think the real the real moment where we knew like this thing is real is when I was stuck at home and I'm playing board games with mm. my parents mm-hmm. and like I'm trying to think of ways to keep myself busy and you know with running a program how can I keep the kids busy like what can I possibly do to keep the kids busy and I know me keeping the bi- kids busy is also keeping myself busy so you know we got entrenched in the in the virtual space we were doing uh you know a lot of Zoom sessions luckily we had access to an indoor court because it was cold at that time um, and we were also involved in this app called Famer, where it was like a virtual training app where we shot 75 drills in a house. And, uh, you know, we were able to send that out to the kids and we were sending out workouts three days a week to the kids. They would send back the workout and then we would do a voiceover on that specific workout. So we were able to get creative and find ways that we can keep the kids busy. And, you know, from there, little by little, parents started feeling a little bit more comfortable about doing training. I know Evan was doing some as well. Um, we had to get creative with the training space as well. I mean, we didn't have access to the gyms at that point. It was cold outside. You're, you're bundled up. You're wearing a hat, gloves. You're wearing a winter coat. You're going outside. It was the first time in my life that I was doing basketball training where I can't rebound the ball. <laughs> I had, so I had to literally so, socially distance from the kids. I had to point and tell them what to do, or I would just show them the moves and then get the heck out of the way. 
So you really had to get creative with, you know, how the training worked. We're, we're really fortunate that training was always a big part of Level Up. We've always been really big on player development. So making sure that we were doing that, it, it was just continued from what we've been doing all along. So after those first couple of weeks, we were doing outdoor training. And luckily, the weather started to get a little bit nicer. And we were doing, it was, it was more one-on-one individual training. And then it turned into slowly group training. But it was always masks. It was outside. So we were just finding ways to get by, thankfully. Luckily, my family has been good. They've been super supportive throughout this whole thing. So, you know, it, it's definitely been challenging. But I think, you know, how you deal with adversity is extremely important. hundred percent. I just remember like in May, I did this whole thing. I brought my camera around New York city and I couldn't believe that the rims, they, they took down the rims. Crazy. That was incredibly like just so jarring to see because you think about, you know, just us being in basketball. I know for me, I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, you know, that's, that's how I grew up. I grew up and, and it gets to the point where it's like, once you once you have like come full circle with basketball, when you stop not getting involved, so you take like a you know a professional job. It it to me when you when you look at other people's neighborhoods and you you drive around the driveway and you're like, okay, somebody used to live here, and their kids are probably like 25 years old and they don't play basketball. It was crazy to think like how how much of a necessity it was. Like if somebody had a court in the, in the backyard, like now that's gold. Where it was like something that was taken for granted. But I wanted to get back to you. Um, I know you already were kind of like a pioneer in the virtual space. You already kind of did all those things. How much did that help you and have you have to have a leg up that, you know, the rest of the world kind of had to catch up? Luckily, I'm young. I'm 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 involved in social media. I just I ha- I know what's I, I know what's happening around the social media world and and all the virtual space. So I was just at a sp- time where I was just I wanted to test things out. You know, I'm I I have an idea of how it works and I'm like, you know, let's let's give it a try. Let's see how these Zoom sessions go. Let's see how I was doing individual one-on-one Zoom sessions where got to the point, I'll be honest, where it got pretty painful where you're sitting in front of a phone and you're trying to teach a kid how to do it and but, you know, you, like I said, you have to get creative and you have to try to find ways to, you know, keep the kids active and engaged. And, I, you know, I got so much praise. I think we really came together as a program where parents were like, wow, you, you genuinely care about the kids and about the kids improving as players and, you know, just being there to motivate them. Because, as you know, it's, it's an easy time when you're sitting at home. You could easily be sitting on the couch. But if you have you know, if you have coaches and, and directors that are really pushing the kids to like, Hey, listen, maybe this is a time for you to improve your skill set, And I think that's been pretty glaring. And I think the kids that have been working hard during this time, they've been making large gaps between those kids that have been sitting around. And now for the kids that are starting to get out and play a little bit more, you're starting to see how increased their skill set has been. So it's been, it's been eye opening to see those players, you know, taking, um, you know, really focusing on how they can improve and how they can get better. And, you know, it just shows like that work that you put in, like you're legitimately going to improve. You're going to get better. And I think once the kids realize that and that they were making strides and they can stay busy, it showed that. Yeah. I, I think what's really tough is it, it was funny that you said that, like you couldn't rebound. It sounds like you were professor X for a second, <laughs> trying to just be on, on the side and just trying to socially distance and try to figure out all these parameters and, and still try to play. So I'm, I'm sure that was just like a, a cluster in your mind of, of doing that. But um, I know that you could probably relate. I did a whole bunch of Zoom sessions with all of these referees, and I've been fortunate enough to have you know, NBA refs, uh, Division One referees, and even just rec, rec league refs. And it, it was such a great time because everyone was available and everyone got to connect and realize like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not at the highest level, but I can relate to this ref and they've been through the same things. But, you know, it's really hard to just recreate 
that type of intensity just digitally, especially when you're on your phone and it's sideways on a chair and you're trying to do instruction and the kid can't really do it. That's got to be a very difficult thing. But I'm going to go to Evan. Um, <laughs> I got I got a lot of funny <laughs> conversations with you, but I know the pandemic has really you know stretched you thin of, you know, just kind of pivoting your life. And we talked about that pivot of of just having level up going digitally. Um, you know, just talk about. How have you been holding up with the coronavirus? When was the moment that you took it serious? And just talk about how, how much it's changed the trajectory of what you thought your career was going to be moving forward. Now, the, the moment I've really started taking coronavirus serious, it's funny how it all ties into Level Up and Island Garden, all things that we naturally were doing every week since we could remember. So our season ended on a Wednesday, March 4th. We lost at Malloy in the playoffs for our conference tournament. And... Gave the guys the rest of the weekend off. That Monday I went to campus. We had a kid on an unofficial visit with one of my assistants. And I had a level up game that night at 6.30. And that weekend is when you first, for the first time, saw, okay, like, this, the Catholic League got shut down that Sunday. And that's a huge recruiting tool. The Catholic League quarterfinals, it's held at Fordham every year. And that's a big event that every coach in the country, at least in the metropolitan area, goes to. That gets shut down. So it's like, okay, wow, like, they just shut down the Catholic League playoffs. It's a big deal. On campus the next day, we get shut down at 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm sitting in my office, have an Island Garden game at 6.30. They tell us at 4.30 in the afternoon, some of my guys are in getting shots up. We just finished up our unofficial visit. We had to evacuate campus. They said, everyone needs to leave. Like, I don't know when we're going to be able to come back, but we got to leave. So I'm like, I got an Island Garden game at 6.30. They just completely shut down New York Tech's campus. So I go to the Island Garden on my way there. I'm like, I think this is going to be the last game that we play for at least the next year. I didn't know it was still going to be how it is now, but that was the last game that I've ever coached in terms of a real game-like setting. I remember telling the parents before the game that New York Tech just got shut down. Like, I think that schools are going to get shut down and everything else. And it was just like, wow, that was a reality check really where it's like, all right, this is the start of who knows what's going to happen next. Like, you don't just shut down a college campus for no reason. And, like, I thought that Monday night was the last level-up game that I coached in a real game, and I'm pretty sure Island Garden got shut down that week, and that was really the start of the NBA season getting shut down that Sunday. And where where are we now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that, that Thunder Jazz game was like, oh, this is <laughs> – if the NBA canceled, then – you know, this is something that that's truly. That's really. I think that was yeah. the first time where, at least for a lot of basketball fans, to really be like, "Wow!" Like something that you never thought would ever happen in mm. your lifetime just happened. They just shut the NBA season down because of something that Rudy Gobert didn't even take serious three days before it happened. Remember how much he was getting trolled for touching the mics and yeah, yeah, doing yeah. everything he was doing, right. and then all of a sudden now they shut it down. And of course, he was the first one to get the virus, and it was just that was a complete shock, really, just for society. Now that I think about it, I think that was the last time I saw you because I just Probably remember. I remember you were young. I'm like, yo, what is up with what is they're in third grade? Why are you so turned up? About, we got to get into some of our third grade stories because that was the fourth grade when everything got shut down. But I didn't start going with level up until I stopped playing overseas, which was 2018-19 season. And I remember with the schedule that I had in New York Tech. The only time I was ever able to do games was on Monday nights. And I feel like that was one of the only days that you were able to work consistently. So I felt the first six games that I ever had coaching at that level was with you. So it was like maybe a little too comfortable. I saw you every <laughs> damn week. I went this guy again. Gonna ruin my- <laughs> it was every Monday night. I had the game at the same time because I came straight from practice at Tech because it was the only time I was able to coach those kids mm. in the game. 
and you were my ref every single week for the first six weeks. And my <laughs> really? team was good, and we were winning, and we didn't lose a game. And there was one moment that I was joking about with you that I was like, we need to talk about. You don't even know about this. But there was a moment where you gave me a reality check that really got me thinking of how to treat a ref during a game. Mm. And you're definitely not going to remember this, but this was huge for me. My team was about 5-0, and 6-0 at this time. We were winning every game. The for whatever reason, my third grade team was just, they just got it. Like right away, we had a synergy, we had a connection, we had a chemistry to ourselves where it was very rare for a third grade team to have. We weren't the most talented, but there was this, it was the first time where I was frustrated that they just weren't playing well. And there was a team that we should have been beaten by 20, and the game was close, and I was probably mad at something that happened at Tech in the first place. And the other team scored off of a clear travel. And I think that I got on you for that. And I didn't, I didn't say it to you in the right way, like in the way that a coach should talk to a ref in the middle of the moment, especially when it's somebody you don't have a connection with. So you looked at me, and I was familiar with you because we saw each other every week, but it wasn't like we had a real relationship yet. And you looked at me, and you was like, that's a travel? All right, like this is how I'm going to go about it. You called the travel on this one kid on my team <laughs> about five possessions in a row. <laughs> and the parents were livid. I was livid. And I had to take a deep breath because I was about to snap. I remember calling a timeout. You could have snapped. And being like, I, I low-key snap. I don't, I, don't, I don't snap in public like that. Because especially with little kids and parents, you don't, there's a way to go about certain things. Mm. But I remember looking at you and just being like, yo, like if you have an issue with me, Let's keep this between me and you. But to call this kid to travel five times in a row, have him go onto the bench basically crying because he was traveling, and I can't tell him he wasn't traveling, but you you, you made your point to me that if you're really going to get on me for this because I'm trying to be a good guy and be fair, this is how I'm going to respond. You didn't yell at me. You didn't talk to me. You just responded to a way a reaction that I had just on an emotion, and you made your point across. And I remember after that game, the parents were like, what's up with this ref? Why did he do that? Like, what a jerk. And, I'm, and I told the parents, I was like, honestly, you know what? He was right. The way that he handled it might not have been right because the poor kid probably cried and he was down on himself and he was upset. But he got his message across to me and I built a mutual respect on you because of me reacting to a situation a certain way and you responding to it the way that you did. It was a very immature thing that you did responding to it that way, but... That helped me in my college career as well, being able to interact with rest because of a third grade game because I got mad at something that you did or didn't call, and instead of just getting upset or yelling at me or whatever, you did the most powerful thing you can do. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the game, you control the game. Yeah, yeah. And I learned, all right, there's a way that I need to speak to refs, mm. and even if I don't agree, I need to keep my composure, and if I have a problem, like, don't do it. Like, it just helped me. It, mm. helped, it helped my growth. It helped my career as a coach it helped the way that i interacted with refs in general so i gotta thank you for that i appreciate time, that I man pissed. evan i appreciate that what you just said to me man that that really i i vaguely remember that um and i had a couple of <laughs> thoughts from when i saw you i just remember i'm like it's 6 15 why is this guy so turned <laughs> up and he's like oh he's he coaches at tech and i'm like he's not coaching tech right now that's what yeah. i always thought about it and something that you probably didn't know about, about me at the time the way I could tie that in is uh, when I was in college, I just started coaching at Kellenberg and I remember I had the girls JV team and I remember I felt like I, I left a Jay-Z concert every time, but just like unsatisfied because I'd lose my voice. And you know, in the beginning of coaching, you, you, you're coaching from a point of like, why can't you do the things that I know how to do? 
right? You don't have that epiphany until you go like, oh, no, I have to treat this kid different. I got to talk to this person differently. Now I got to meld that together and be a leader. And I also have to encourage them, but kind of disappoint them. And you have to marry all those things. And you don't you don't learn that until you just do it more and more and more. And then you get softer and then you understand that. Um, at the same time, I was coaching volleyball with a master of volleyball. So for me, it was always like, you know, my interaction with refs are like, um, Captain, go talk to them and, and see. What, <laughs> so it's not like, yo, what, what, what's up with that? It was, it was never that. So I stopped doing basketball, and you know, once I started getting into refing, at least I had the coaching experience to at least understand and empathize because I know, especially like a third grade team, that's high level, right? Because, and we're doing the the lowest common denominator. If they can dribble, if they can pass, if they can move without the ball. If they do those little things, I don't care if their jump shot is terrible. I'm like, this is a well-coached team. They're doing some great things, right? So once we start, you know, I, I think to, it's to the point where it's like, I already understand that you work hard. That's not anything that I'm going to. But then I start thinking, like, if you're trying to get an advantage, and I'm just talking, like, purely from a referee, if we're going to nitpick one call, and they're in third grade, I don't want to discourage them from understanding how to play the game. We can do that. But I don't. I don't think that it's That's it's what best. You from a ref that doesn't really like. You could be a great ref in a high school age and a college mm-hmm. game, but if you're too literal and you don't understand, like, okay, it's third grade. Like, I got to be a little bit more lenient, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just doesn't make the experience right for everyone. Right. Like, and what comes special about you and the experience that you have with all the games you've ref at Island Garden is you get okay. Like, this is what's on the court. I got to ref the game a different kind of way because. These kids just aren't ready for that next step yet. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing as us for coaches as well. Like we coach all ages and levels. So the way you coach a third grade game is going to be different than the way you coach a high school game. 100%. Uh, a little bit different with me, though. The way that I coach, <laughs> I'm going to coach. If I'm co- I don't coach a lot of teams, but if I'm coaching you, uh-huh. I'm coaching the same way no matter what. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have the same, I'm going to hold you to the same standards. I don't expect you to have the same skill. I don't expect you to be able to do the things that these older kids could do. But I'm coaching you the same way. Yeah. It's just the way I'm wired. I'm only wired one way, and I'm going to bring that intensity. And if I expect you to be a certain type of teammate, and mm. I expect you to play a certain type of way, and I expect you to talk and communicate to your teammates and do things, like if you learn that when you're younger, even if you're not skilled, you get away with it because you're taught good habits. Mm. Let me rephrase that then. Maybe more of the X and O. X's and O's are a little bit yes, different. Yes, X's and O's are night that. and day difference. You don't have X's and O's in the third grade. Yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to take away your intensity in which you uh, coach, but just more so of like, okay, and, and here's an awkward position for me too. If you have a team that's well coached on the third grade level team, but then you have a parent on the other side that is just volunteering and you see that it's not the same thing, you want me to call travel on them all the time? I know you're competitive. <laughs> I get it. Like, I know you want to win 29-0, but, like, like, let's have a semblance of some sort of game, right? Let's, and also, at the same time, as much as you have competitive spirit, and to me, I think the greatest form of showing respect to your opponent is taking care of business. At the same time, I mean, these kids are in third grade. You don't want to discourage them from never wanting to play basketball again, right? Cause, and that's a real thing. I love I mean, that you said that because that's one thing that I know Jesse really emphasized and what I really emphasize is – this is for those third graders. This is the first time they're ever going to be on a team. And that's why I love working with that age group. Like right now with this pandemic, I don't even really work with the high school kids that level up that much because I genuinely enjoy working with the younger kids and being their first basketball coach or their first basketball trainer and just teaching them 
the right things, teaching them the work ethic, teaching them what it's going to take to be successful on whatever team you're on, whatever organization you play for. Because when you install those habits in those kids early, it they just get it. It's something that they take forever. The fir- when it's the first time you ever do something, that's the first time you learn by it. And it's so important to teach them everything the right way. Mm. And that's why I look just gratified to that age group. And sentimentally, it's something that I enjoy more than older kids. I mean, at college, it's a lot different. Obviously, I'm a college coach. I want to be a college coach the rest of my life. But if I'm working with a team that isn't a college team, I'll take the younger kids yeah. day to week. Yeah, I, I, it's, a more, it's a rewarding thing mm. for me. Personally, I think high school for me is a good sweet spot because I get to see them. And then this would have been my 21st season. And what's great is that they come back to the school. They're like 30-year-old women now. They have two kids. And it's like, man, I can't believe that you remember some of the things that we talked about 12 years ago that, you know, I would have thought wouldn't have made the same impact. So it's definitely a fulfilling thing as a coach. Um, I did want to talk about that beat when you were talking about college. Your complete story got upended because at the time you were – the youngest coach in the NCAA, and then your your program got preempted. Just talk about those uh, emotions and, and when you found out. It was a, that was a shock. That was very unexpected because it happened a week before school started. Obviously, with the pandemic, any like anything is unexpected. Anything could happen, but still, the inevitable happened. You don't mm. expect with everything going on. Like, okay, even though games weren't going on. School was shut down. Everything was virtual. We were still recruiting. We were still putting our class together for next year. We ended the season on such a high note, and we were doing everything that we can control to put our program and put the university in the best position it could possibly be in when we were ready to go again. Mm. And the hardest thing for me is that you put all this time and all this effort in to get the program to where you wanted to get to, to finally establish a culture, to get people to believe in you, to get parents and players and administrators and just people around the community and for guys like Jesse and everyone in Level Up that followed our program since I first joined it as an assistant when I finished playing overseas to get it to the point that it became to be like all right we're we're not just knocking on a door anymore like I know that our record was our record last year but we finished the end of the regular season four and four ended up making the players for the first time in five years becoming a team that nobody wanted to play against and then becoming a program where it's like, wow, like nobody recruited harder than New York Tech did. And to not be able to see the final product of that, for the players to not get to experience finally being in a situation where they have expectations and they have goals and they have people that believe in them and have a chance to reach an NCAA tournament realistically, that hurts. It was an opportunity that was stripped away from all of us. And in a selfish way, yeah, I was the youngest coach in the country and I had this amazing opportunity and dedicated my whole life to it mm. like it was all I thought about it was all I wanted to do I had great assistant coaches I had finally a, just about all the players that were there were people that we brought in and people that we wanted to be a part of our program and for them to be stripped away of that opportunity of finally getting over that hump and doing something that nobody really thought at tech could have been done that it hurts I mean it's, mm. it's something that's going to sting it's going to keep me humble it's going to be a feeling that never goes away and the only bright spot that I could say about all that is just how much more involved I got with Jesse and level up and how much he was there for me when I was transitioning from even stopping playing overseas when it really started with Jesse and John Randazzo. He's a trainer that's in the gym a lot. He was my trainer when I played overseas professionally and I had a serious conversation with the both of them 
when the job, the assistant job in New York Tech was a, something that was offered to me. The guy was the head coach there, Kevin Hamilton. He was my freshman coach when I was in high school at Holy Cross, someone that I've known for a very long time. And he told me if I'm not going to go overseas, he wants me to start my coaching career with him. Holy Child's five minutes away from New York Tech. And when you're assistant coach at college, you're not getting, you're not making that much money. So it's like, what else could I do with any time that I have to be able to financially be able to do this? And John was like, you want to do this? We're going to look out for you and take care of you. And then Jesse has his own program. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to look out for you. Like you're everything that we want our program to be around. And it just was a, perfect opportunity it was something I couldn't really turn down that's mm-hmm. really that's the like I had my best the end of that season my third year was my best year I could have gone back to Israel and made decent money and been who knows where that could have taken me but I looked at the bigger picture I wanted to be a coach I love coaching I had a passion for it and it was like if I'm not going to do this now with everything in place when am I ever going to do it it was just the right time to do it and I'm never the head coach at New York Tech if it wasn't for Jesse and John Randazzo bringing me into their program and inviting me in open arms to what they're doing and the vision that they had and just helping it build and helping it expand and helping it get to the where it is now. I know I had a big part of that, but they built the foundation and did all the hard work before I even got there. So in a way I was lucky to just be able to run with it and just make it even better than it was and give these like that third grade team that's never been coached before was also the first team I've ever coached. Mm. I've never coached a team before. And why, maybe that's why I was so passionate about it because it was the first time I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I just loved being in a gym with them. It was a great transition from being through the day-to-day serious grind of college athletics and dealing with all the things you got to deal with in that side to just stepping away from it and just seeing younger kids compete and play the right way. And mm. I'll tell all the high school and college guys that are listening right now, if you think you play hard, you don't because those third graders play harder than you ever mm. play. There's no, I'm tired with them. There's no, I need a break. There's no bad days in terms of enthusiasm. Mm. They they get after it, as you saw, mm-hmm. which is why I was so passionate and intense coaching yeah. them because if you're going to do everything I'm asking you to do and I hold them to high standards and high expectations, I need to have the same energy in return because mm. if I'm not doing it, I can't expect you to do it. So that's why transitioning from everything that happened at New York Tech uh, it it sucks because at Tech that's something I could have been doing for who knows maybe the next 20 years when I was coaching against Malloy in the playoffs Charlie Marquardt someone that I've known for a long time first time we played against him when we were 1 and 11 he told me you guys are getting there you guys are in the right path like you guys are doing way better than your record shows just keep pushing and keep having that vision keep believing lost them at the buzzer then we played them at home in February beat them in overtime he congratulated me like you see I told you you guys are getting there like just keep pushing keep battling now we beat Damon which is a nationally ranked team in the last game of the season to get into the playoffs ironically the first game of the playoffs is at Malloy game sold out usually when we played Malloy Charlie would talk to me before the game and just see how I'm doing and everything not that night he wanted no part to talking to me that night because he was like all right like you guys are there and he looked at me as a serious threat now so that's in a way that was really rewarding mm. and that's why I knew okay if Charlie even knows we're there we had a great game we we lost the game we were up eight in the second half Nick Corbett the school's all-time leading scorer went crazy had a career night became the school's all-time leading scorer that game and he just refused to lose but 
I'll say all the time, I'll say it again. If it wasn't for Jesse and John and Level Up, I don't, I'm not the youngest head coach in the country. I don't have all the experiences that I have now. And it's rewarding for me to be able to give back to his program and take over really developing a lot of the younger kids. And we have some really special young players in our team that I'm telling Jesse, we, you got to take this team serious because I think that that's a serious elite team in Long Island that could do some very special things in the future because they're getting coached the right way. And now with Trevor Stark being involved, someone else who's very big with level up and it's kept me saying, if I didn't have level up through this pandemic and losing that opportunity and them discontinuing athletics, I'd be in a very dark place. right mm, now. Mm. I think a lot of people can, can really <laughs> uh, relate to that because, you know, I, I for me, I would have, you know, um, Broke into D2. I, I had so many ambitions of, of doing things. And, you know, that just goes to show how much the coronavirus has been a great equalizer. You know, there's somebody out there, and I just heard a podcast just driving up here. You know, there's somebody that contracted the virus, lost their job, and got evicted. Like, that's, I mean, you, you got to, like, put it in perspective. That is worse for you. We're still healthy. We're still able to do this podcast yep. today, doing the things that we love to do, mm-hmm. talking about the things that we love. We're not sick. Our parents hopefully knock on wood are healthy and we're healthy and we're still able to do everything we want to do on a day-to-day basis. And we're fortunate yeah. because some, as bad as you have it, someone else always has it worse. And if we're not going to be here to look out for each other, mm-hmm. then what are we doing? Yeah. And what? even, even though that opportunity is close for you, I think that even though that had a negative impact, I think there's always with anything that's negative or a roadblock that happens, there's always a hidden positive benefit. And, you know, had it not been for that, I don't think you would have been with Jesse as much. You wouldn't have been on the mic with your podcast. But um, the question before I bring it back to Jesse, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Just never know what, what could happen next. Don't take anything for granted because you never know when it could be taken away from you. Even when you're like, I'm, I have everything I ever wanted. It could be taken away from you just from a snap of a finger. Mm. When I got when athletics was discontinued at Tech, we found out on a Zoom call on a Thursday afternoon that was supposed to be a staff meeting. We had no idea what was about to be told to us, and we didn't know how to process it. So anyone listening, anyone going through this through hard times right now, like we're all going through this together, and just be thankful and appreciate the things that you actually do have because we live in a world where nothing's ever good enough. Mm. And it's very rare to finally have a taste of a feeling where it's actually good enough Mm. and just don't take that for granted because it could be taken away from you. And then who are your friends? Who's the close circle that you have? I say a lot when I was recruiting players to come to tech or when people asking me advice about recruiting in general, they don't just recruit you. They recruit your family. They recruit the people that you associate yourself with. And if you don't have the right people around you during these tough times, then you're in trouble. Jesse, I'm going to bring it to you. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? I was going to say, um, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? No, I just feel like that I learned about myself. And and like Evan was saying about the people that he cared about, like the people that cared about him and the people that were in his circle. I learned the same about myself. And I learned how much of an impact that level up, the level up program has on people outside of basketball. Like just the impact that we're having on their lives is so much bigger than basketball. So just to realize that like I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the right path. I'm doing the right, I'm in the right career where I really want to help kids and I want to help parents as much as I possibly can. It's all good. I'm it's sorry, not, Jesse. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not, I, you know what it is? I'm just looking. Right he's at never him. like this either. I'm no, just, he's like this a lot, but I'm just looking right at him. Mason, you're being distracting. Can you stop? Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, Jesse. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. No, it's, it's fine. Um, all right. Uh, what I learned about myself. 
We're going to start with that segment. Now, what I learned about myself is that, you know, just surrounding yourself with good people and uh, people that, that, like Evan said, looking out for your best interest and, and genuinely care about you. I think one thing that comes off of the way that Evan talks and how he is as a person, he's just a good person. He's just a good person that cares about kids, that cares about players. And that's how I feel like when I'm running a program. And I throughout this time, it made me realize that I'm, I'm in the right career. Like, I care about kids. I care about the progression, not only as basketball players, but as people as well. And, you know, I got a lot of great feedback. One of the things that I asked for, for parents during this time for Level Up was to give us um, some talking points that we could add to our website to just th- their experience with Level Up. And, and the stuff that they said, I think that was like an just, just a really um, heartfelt thing for me where they're saying, you know, throughout these past couple of years with Level Up, I've been involved with such great people and such great coaches and such great parents and families. And, you know, we can't thank you enough. So, you know, realizing those types of things, it, it makes you re- really recognize that you're doing this and you're on the right path of what you're doing. Um, and, and, and I just realized that about myself throughout this whole thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that I could have told you that even if there wasn't a pandemic that you were on the right path because I know that there was a point in time that you were a nine to five person going to the city to and fro um, on the train. And I definitely think that you're on the right path with this, but you know, I'll just say from a referee's perspective, every time or any time that I'm involved with the level up game, you could see the amount of passion that the kids have, the amount of care that the coaching staff always has, because, you know, I see a whole bunch of AU teams. Sometimes you could tell this is a money grab. You could tell that <laughs> some, some's not right with this, but I'd never feel like that when it comes to your program. Um, I did want to get to the training aspect, and especially, like, I want to say around Memorial Day was when everyone was like, you know what, F this. <laughs> like, we're just going to, we're just, I don't care anymore. I'm I'm frustrated. We're going to play outside. We're going to figure this out. Um, and I know you had a gym. <clears throat> At that whole time, I think the seniors, you know, going into college or or juniors going into seniors, I think they were in a very precarious position because, you know, you think about that time, even kids that were competitively into the playoffs they get their season preempted, and now they're thinking, like, am I going to even have my senior year? And I even think about all the kids that I still see because we train. <clears throat> I think about how they're just they're still kind of holding out hope that the, the season's going to go, and I'm thinking, like, I don't know about that, man. And, and listen, I'm not trying to burst their bubble. I'm just saying, like, you see what's happening. Like, even right now at this recording, like, it's, what is it, January 5th, I think about there's, like, triple the amount of cases and now we're treating as if, like, it's before March, which is a very weird thing. And that's got to be tough for you just on the precautionary side. But, you know, just talk about those those older kids that are just, you know, just trying to stay sharp, just trying to figure it out. Because we all know you can't simulate game-like situations unless you're playing games. Right. We've been really fortunate that we've had access to a gym. Um, one of the things we level up that we always say is that we have training for all ages and skill levels. So, you know, I said to Evan, and, and I think we talked about this before the podcast, there's just there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency for those high school kids. And, and it's a shame. I feel I really feel for those kids where, you know, if you're going into your junior year, like that's a huge year for you. You want to have game film from your junior year. Maybe you're all county, all Long Island, all state that you could send off to coaches. And then you're going into your AAU season with this little background. So the coaches are no like, all right, that kid did this this season. He was this on the island. Like it's important for the kids. So, you know, I just I feel for them. But. We've been able to luckily give these kids access to the gym. Um, we've been trying to be cautious. We haven't ran one league, one game out of Holy Child. And, you know, we've been doing skills training and really just giving them an opportunity to continue to improve and continue to get better. And, you know, one thing that I, that I also take pride in with our program is knowing like Evan being a, a college coach and will be a college coach very soon is we have a lot of connections. We have a lot of people 
that are looking out for us. We're trying to look out for them. So with these kids that we're helping out, we're trying to mentor them as players, as people, but we also have a lot of connections into that college, uh, in that college realm and prep schools as well to where we can try to help them get to the next level. So that's important to us and just keeping them hungry, keeping that same hunger of like, listen, we know what's going on. Did we go through it? No, we can't really relate as far as players, but just stay hungry, keep your head down, keep grinding, and we'll try to help you get to that next level. So it's just important that the kids just keep improving and just keep growing from day to day and not, not really focusing and looking back on what could have been, but just making that future a positive one, no matter how it may turn. Yeah. And I also think there's a hidden, hidden benefit with that as well, because, you know, you think about, you still have to try to teach these kids. And I think about just the beats that I have with my volleyball team. By the time they're juniors, they're starting to think like, okay, maybe I want to play D1, but I'm like, well, you might have a better experience if you play D2, D3, you'll play the whole time and you'll have a great college experience as opposed to red shirting. And then, you know, maybe again, lost in the shuffle. Um, but, you know, those are those like hidden things that, those administrative things that you can deal with that, you know, you could probably give it more attention now because that's all there is. And I know that, you know, I think this is a precarious time for those seniors that you can stay connected. You can email, you can be proactive, right? Because that's, that's an important skill because sometimes you have to advocate for yourself. Now more than ever. I mean, you're in charge of your own social media. You're in charge of your own platform. Basically that's the way the world is right now. Everything recruiting has changed. It's going to continue to, change more into the social media way for the foreseeable future and as much as I hate to say it this pandemic has changed recruiting in the way that the landscape is for college athletics forever mm. Jesse will ask me what's your opinion on this kid is he a d1 kid is he a high d2 kid what is he and I'm like Jesse I don't even know anymore because I don't know what the scholarship situation is going to be like for most of these schools moving forward I don't know what that is post pandemic and that's the hardest thing for high school kids to really deal with and have to accept there's way less opportunities for you right now because all these schools are getting a year, another year of eligibility back. And college programs, they don't want to go younger. They want to go older. And this class is just going to be kind of lost in the shuffle, and it, it makes me sick to my stomach. Mm. I was saying, I, when, before everything happened at Tech, me and my staff had two different plans. We had a plan for what we were going to do if we were going to be if we were going to lose our seniors due to eligibility, and we had a plan for what we were going to do if we were able to bring all our seniors back. We had five guys that were either grad students or seniors that would have had another year of eligibility. We were supposed to have five scholarships, but if all those kids were going to be able to come back, we were going to keep four out of the five of them. We were going to still, we were only going to have one scholarship as opposed to five. Think about how many of those kids get affected, and that's just New York Tech. So think about it in a grand scheme of just all levels. At a Division One level, if you have a D2 kid that's an All-American that wants to move up, you're taking that D2 kid over to high school kid. If you're at a mid-major school, and a high D1 kid isn't playing much and he's not happy, who are you taking? Yeah. You're taking that high major kid, and you can make all the excuses you want as a high school kid right now, but if you don't bet on yourself more than ever now, you're going to have no no chance. You need to stay humble. You need to stay have a pitch on your shoulder. You need to really make sure you surround yourself with the right circle that's not going to feed you BS that's going to keep it real with you, tell you the real situation, guide you in where you need to get to because eventually you want to reach your goals. Mm. And I think that what even sucks more about this pandemic is not even just the kids that want to get recruited to college level because you need to be a special talent to even be considered a college prospect. A lot of people get lost in the shuffle that don't even realize like how rare of a thing that is. But since we're around it every day, we're, we're used to it. What about that kid that is from Roslyn that plays for Level Up that has no – he just wants to – play his high school season and then 
go to the University of Michigan and just enjoy his college life. But that last year of high school is something that he takes with him for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. You get that stripped away from you. So it's not just the college at the college prospects that are getting affected by it. It's everyone. And you could only train so much before you need to see that in the game setting. I would say all the time to my kids and my parents and even my college team, you, they're never going to truly buy in until you win. Until you win and you realize, you know what? Now everything that Coach Jesse's teaching me and preaching to me and the moves that he's showing me and the practices that we're running, you don't really believe that stuff until you actually do it and it works against somebody else. And you realize that as a ref, that's where you get your confidence. So if you don't have the opportunity to do that, then it's like, how do you stay motivated? And it's str- it's tough when you don't know what the right answer is because we've never been through something like that before. But at the end of the day, you have to be more mentally tough and more mentally engaged in what's going on than ever and just be honest with yourself, be real with the situation. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's just, you have to bet on yourself, but you also have to be realistic. And one one thing that I feel really bad about for the kids, I look back on my career personally, I had memories every single year. Like if you said, you said to me, Jesse, what do you remember about your eighth grade <laughs> middle school team? Or Jesse, what do you remember about your freshman year or sophomore year playing on varsity? Like I have memories of those kids that I was playing with and how I grew as a player from year to year. So I just, I feel for those kids that are missing out on these memories. Like maybe you're a 10th grader and you have an opportunity to go up to varsity and play on varsity and you're missing out on these opportunities and these moments. So like you really have to, like you have to take advantage of any opportunities that you get. And I think there's a lot of life lessons that come out of this. And, you know, I'm in the gym with these kids and sometimes I'll get on and I'll get, I'm, you know, my passion comes out where I'm like, guys, do you see what's going on here? Like <laughs> if you want to go through the motions and not take these reps seriously, you're wasting my time. You're was- wasting your time, especially the the time of of life that we're in right now. If you're not going to take this seriously, then you're wasting your time. So it's any day tomorrow, the government could say, that's it. We're on another lockdown and it's all just taken away from you. I say that to my kids every week. This might be the last time we're here. The amount of times that I say in the gym, and I know Evan says it too, is like game speed, game reps. And we say that during normal times, but that sense of urgency now of like, listen, we have access to a gym. Not everybody has access to a gym. You have this hour in the gym with us, this hour and a half in the gym with us. Show like you should be sweating at the end of this. You should feel that you got better as a basketball player. Because if you're coming in, guess what? If you're a high school player, middle school player, you have five, six practices a week with your team plus games. Now what? You don't have that right now. So when you're in that gym with us, whether you're in one day, two days, three days, if you're in the day, gym every day with us, take advantage of those repetitions. And honestly, if it's our program, if it's another program, you have to have that sense of urgency of like, I'm going to improve at all costs necessary. And I think those players that are, listen, the ones that are doing the Zoom sessions and they're sitting at home working on those ball and like, those are the kids that are going to get better. So like you, you have to be the motivator. You have to be the one that's driving this thing. Dan, you make me want to sign up right now. <laughs> so, Ralph, let me hit you with this question because Yo. this doesn't just affect coaches and players. Mm-hmm. It affects refs, too. How much do you miss the high school atmosphere, the high school intensity of knowing, like, all right, you're, co- you're refing, a, let's say, in Long Island, a Chaminade Holy Trinity game, and that rush that you get refing a big-time high school game. How much yeah, do you well, miss that? First of all, that, that Chaminade coach is always rough on me because, like, when, <laughs> when, you, when you break into the varsity level, they're like, who's this guy? You, you spend, like, the first two years of, like, trying to prove yourself – 
that you belong on the varsity level. How that feels as a coach when you're brand new and all these yeah. refs are looking at late at you like, who the hell are you? Yeah. So there's a it's, back and forth, and we talked about this before. Like it's, it took it's, the whole year to the get coaches, respect from the refs from that league. It's the coaches that are looking at the refs like, oh, I got this ref today. Like we we all know that happens, but I think it's for a co- for coaches as well. It's also the other way around. The refs are looking shot. at it. Like Ralph, Ralph, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're you're going to uh, you know Terry or one of the other refs like, oh, we got this coach today. No, well Terry's coming to me. I'm like, you know, we're just. Gonna Jesse, have fun with this. Shocked how many times we we find out at college that who the ref's going to be the next day. Like of let's say we're playing Malloy on a Saturday, we know Thursday who that ref's going to be. And you know and you know them by, a, you know their names. Have, yeah, we know their names. We know exactly who they are, and we could appeal and say we can call the commissioner of the conference and be like that of the ref association and be like, I don't want this ref. And you need to give a reason why it needs to be validated. But you could request that I don't want this ref again. And, and with that and being with that out. being said, at, at least for me at Cortland, we we weren't appealing. I don't even know if you could do that in Division Three. Honestly, you absolutely, you, you can. Absolutely you can. can. There's but so I, many but things I, that you don't realize that coaches but, that. You could do that on the JUCO level. But what I do know, <laughs> what I do know as as a college player, and I think about this because our coach used to get on us if we said a word. I, 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 you know, I know I got on you a couple times as a ref, as a coach. I never got teed up throughout my college career. No, because my coach was honest. He was like, "Listen, if you're getting a technical foul, you're coming to the bench. You're not playing the rest of the game." So mm. we had that in mind. But there was times where we went through and we were complaining. So going into games, if we saw a ref that was like, "Oh, we know how this ref is. Like, don't say a word to him," that kind of changes. I don't say changes the way that you play, but it all in, in a way it does changes your approach because you're like, all right, you're going to the basket. This ref's going to give us calls, or maybe he's not going to call anything. We have to play according to how how they're going to ref the game, how they are as a personality. I'm sure you know that, <laughs> and you recognize how much power. You <clears> don't tell Raph to call a travel in a third grade game. <laughs> no, well, I, listen. The way I look at it is, and I think that you guys can take away this piece of advice just from a referee perspective. You always want to find referees that are willing to run the game, not choke the game, right? So you have to start thinking about that. And, you know, I mentioned that scenario to you. If you have a third-grade team where you're highly competent and you're playing an opponent that can barely dribble the ball, you have to consider those things and how a referee has to interpret that information. Another thing, I don't want you to ever think that on a Friday morning or a Monday morning, I have a game at 6.15, I go, Oh my God! I got Coach Conti. Like I don't. I don't want Monday morning at six fifteen. I'm not there. No, I'm saying if, if, if <laughs> a Monday, Monday morning, morning at six fifteen, and, and, and it says that I have level oh, up or whatever, then I'd be like, you know, it, I don't want you to ever think like when you come to come to Island Garden and and look. Not all the referees are like me that are like have ambitions to go to college. Some of them, and you know, for me, first of all, shout out to Jim Fox. He's somebody that has been instrumental in my officiating career, and that's why I still stay there. I stay there. I'm loyal because I I don't. Okay, is it is it making me better personally? Not I, I can I can be probably getting better games like further, but I mean I want to take care because he's you know he, that's that's home for me. So um, you know I, I don't want you to think like I don't come over there and and go like I, I'm just trying to chill. I, I, as soon as I walk in there, I have no idea who I'm refing. I don't know if it's a varsity game. I don't know if it's a Heat Elite. I don't know if it's level up third grade. I just go in there. I go. Okay, this is what we're having here. <laughs> so I think I think that's important where it is for coaches. Like I know for us, and I think to me, the best coaches in our program and the best trainers are in general can train a third grade kid and then pivot on that next hour and go trade an eleventh grade elite player. Got to. So I think that's something that you're saying where it's important for coaches to be able to coach at different levels, and not every coach can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same thing for refs, because I think there's some elite refs that maybe cannot coach at the younger level, and there's obviously some younger level right. refs that can't coach at the elite level. Right. I think the difference between Evan, so I, you know, I'm on the women's side, so I would never, 
And, you know, it's really funny. <laughs> there was this play oh going God. around last last season. It was a tech game. It was a controversial call. And it was my boy who was refing. And then I just see you flipping out. I was like, "Oh, that's the guy from that's the guy from Milan Garden that flips out." <laughs> you know this call exactly. I could I could name a few uh, controversial calls that happened last year that I was in the wrong side of. We'll talk about it off here. I, I don't, <laughs> don't, don't want to blow up my boy, but it, it, it's it's just funny to see that. Like you know, when you see somebody from a different context. But what I was saying with with uh, with Jesse is that I mean, you've seen me ref an adult league game, right? Mm-hmm. But then you see me ref a third grade game, it's completely different. It's a different show. And then if you see me in a high school game or a college game, I mean, I'm acting like a I'm, a, I'm acting like a police officer. I'm I'm a robot. I'm not saying anything, but you know, like when we're doing a third grade game, I might have just had a subway sandwich. You know what I'm saying? I might want to have another sip on my soda during the timeout. You want to talk to me like it's it, you know, it's just different things. But you want to think about it like you know, does this referee run the game or choke the game? And I think that if you feel like they're choking the game, that's when I think you should have a conversation and say, like, you know, you see what the situation is. Let's let's keep the fl- – I, I like to keep the flow going. You know what I mean? I like to keep the flow going. So I'm not going to call these Tic Tacs. Now, if it's a close game and all the – like, I, I put it this way. Am I going to call a kid that I feel like if, – if it's a double-A Catholic League game in the city, right? Yep. Kid got a yo-yo like Kyrie. I might give him more leeway. R.J. Davis, I'm going to give him more leeway because I know he's competent in the moves that he's doing. Now, if I feel like you aren't stable in your foundation and you can't you can't execute the move, yeah, I'm gonna call that and I'm gonna say you gotta work on your dribble more. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, then I'm then glad then you're being authentic about it because like a ref I'll say that in real time. I've told that to you know what I'm saying? I mean, I haven't had to say that to uh, Coach Massaroni because RJ Davis is who he is, but you get what I'm saying. Like sometimes these kids don't deserve to do that move, and sometimes they do, and that I think that's what's so difficult about social media, the NBA. You watch James Harden do this new step back. I mean, the kids in the PSAL, they're doing it tomorrow. They're, they're trying it in the game. They don't care. They have no fear. But unfortunately, high school game isn't called like the NBA. But to answer your question, do I miss the beats? I do miss the beats, but I don't miss it as much because it doesn't exist. Now, if it, if it was something that did exist and I wasn't doing, I would miss it a lot more. But I will say that there's been, there's been bits and pieces of me reffing. I've been reffing a lot of flag football because it's like the most socially distant. And then just talking about that, you know, all of those interconnected um, pieces that where everything is implicated, you know, they're trying to postpone uh, the basketball season to the spring. I didn't have my volleyball season this year. So, you know, you're just talking about you feel for those those seniors and those juniors. I had juniors that last time I saw them was at Malloy College at our championship game. And then we had the state championship and they were juniors and we were trying to, you know, defend our title. They're going to graduate. I'm never going to see them again. I didn't even touch on that. You know what like I'm saying? The I'm, last time you have your team in the locker room, that that definitely hurt. I never would have imagined that the last time I would have had my team sitting in the locker room against Malloy, we just had a heartfelt loss. Talking about how much the seniors played a huge part in what we're doing moving forward, never in my wildest dreams would I thought of that was the last time we're going to be together. Yeah. So to go back to your question of, like, what's the biggest thing you take away from this pandemic? You never know when it's gonna like you never know when it's gonna be the last time you're gonna see that group, that or that friend, yeah, or that family member, yeah. And that's why I said even even off air, don't leave it on a sour note. Uh huh. Even in the beginning, when I was like, I, I'm happy to see you. I'm not saying it from a place of like I'm just saying that. This I, I I'm genuinely happy to see you that you guys are doing well because 
it might be another year. It might be another pandemic till I see you guys again. You know, who knows? When people ask me right now, if they ask me, like, Jesse, how you doing? I think I have the same answer every time. I'm healthy and I'm busy. <laughs> That's literally what it is. I'm healthy and I'm busy. I think what those else, two are the best things you can be right now. What else can I ask there's, for? There's right? nothing else. There's nothing else, man. Like, to me, I, you just, I feel like you just now make more intentional moves because, you know, time is of the essence. And you, you just talked about it. That gym space? What? You know what I'm talking about in the summer? Everyone's trying to take, find. We don't take that for granted. We really do not take that for granted. Yeah, that's that's a that's a real good way to angle it. Um, and and the, the other thing that happened during this pandemic was the Level Up podcast, man. I want to talk about, Jesse, I'll come to you. What pl- I mean, obviously, I think I planted the seed and your, your brother also kind of germinated the seed. But when was the moment when you were like, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to we're going we're gonna to do this? Yeah, my brother's a professional podcast producer. Uh, he's got guys under him on, like Michael Rappaport, Josh Hart, Aaron Gordon, uh, his DB podcast for anybody that's interested in checking that out. Uh, so that was always in my mind. And I, I was actually talking to another friend about maybe getting involved in a podcast with like mental health and like, you know, how tying that into sports, but it, it didn't fit the brand. I feel like everything I'm doing, like when, when Evan was talking about his college coaching and he was growing his baby, like level up's my baby and I want to grow it. I want to build that brand the best possible way that I can. Evan knows all the other coaches know I take pride in everything that we do, even the little things like what we post on social media, how we're carrying ourselves, what the coaches are wearing. Like this stuff is extremely important. And to, to cut me. you off real quick. He'll, he's super picky and articulate with what he wants to do to represent his program. He'll call me and, he runs like all the things that he wants to do a level up a lot with me before really making a serious move. And it could be the most bizarre question, but he wants to make sure he's a hundred percent on board or a hundred percent certain, like this is what's best for the program. And that's what separates him from a lot of other people where he has impulse decisions that he wants to do, but he's also super picky with who he has around the program, the people that he could trust. And it's a very small circle. And that's, a reason why it is where it is now. So I think my marketing background, I worked three years in advertising. We talked about that when you had me on last time. I think that's showed me how important branding is. And I think in today's world, we talk about social media and, and how a logo looks and how a website looks. Like it's important how like everything you do is a representation of your, of a brand. So I think um, as far as doing the podcast, it made sense. It made sense for the brand that, you know, Evan is a great speaker. He has a great story. Um, that we're giving the same thing that you're doing, Ralph, where you're giving platform, you're giving people a platform for refs and, and people along, around Long Island to talk specifically about their story. I wanted to duplicate that in a way, and I give major props to you, but doing it specific to basketball. So Evan and I have been really fortunate that we've had unbelievable guests so far up until this point. Uh, Wally Zerbiak, Emeka Okafor, Jay Hernandez, who's a Long Island guy, and you know, hearing their stories and hoping that our kids, our parents, coaches in general, just people hearing these guys' story and tying it back to Long Island basketball, that means a lot for us. And and for Evan and I, we also haven't heard a podcast that is tying in life lessons. Like I know for me, if I was a player growing up, I would want to listen to our podcast because we're hearing it from these players that I've obviously made a name for themselves, but where they've been and where it's got them to mistakes that they've made along the way and how they've improved them and how they fix them. So hearing these personal stories, um, you know, has, has been great for us to hear, but also we're hoping that our, our listeners have uh, taken pride. And so, you know, the podcast has been a blast this so far and we're seven pod, uh, seven episodes in 
and hopefully we continue to grow it just the way that like you have and you know major props on everything that you've been doing yeah well. yeah and I think that's really important to have somebody like well shout out to Wally Zerbiak who definitely yelled at me at a CYO game when his <laughs> daughter was playing a couple of years back um, his episode's phenomenal his yeah. story Listen, just the way that he speaks the lessons that yeah. he went through that like people that listen to his episode could really get to it was he's really an inspiration in just the way that he goes about everything but mm-hmm. also talking about Jesse and how serious about the things that he does he talked to me about this podcast about the week after everything happened at New York Tech and he knew that I was something that I would really be emotionally invested in that would be a distraction from everything going on with that circle and also Give me a platform to talk about my story and talk about what we could do to help everyone in basketball in New York moving forward. So when he first told me the idea, I was like, shoot, you want me to just come to your house and just have NBA, college, any guest on just talk about basketball? <laughs> like, That's well, an I'll easy do that sell. For, I'll do that without all this. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely in. But to Jesse's credit, four days later... He sends me a picture of all the equipment in the basement. <laughs> so it was like he talked about it, but he didn't just say, oh, like, how many people have you talked to that said, yeah, I'm going to go about it and I'm going to do something and don't really ever get around to doing it? Uh, a lot of people have said me and right? Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so when Jesse was like, Evan, I'm serious about this. Let's do this. He made the financial purchase. He talked to his brother. He told his brother, I'm serious about this. Got all the equipment in the basement that... Fortunately, from Level Up, like we were able to get all that stuff. And we had a meeting with his brother and his brother's production company saying, all right, what do we got to do to get started? What do we need? Here's what we're doing. This is what we're going to do for the first two episodes. And we just started it. And we learned from the beginning. And we have so much to grow. And just being on your podcast today and listening to how you conduct an interview, we're always learning. Mm. And that's what I'm saying about Jesse, which separates him, is that when he says he's going to go about and do it, Goes about it and does but it. And- that's that's Evan too, though. That's Evan too. And I think for me, I couldn't have done the pod. Like you're you're special that you could do this on your own. And by the way, just for people listening that aren't looking, Ralph doesn't have notes in front of him. Oh yeah, I don't need notes. <laughs> Evan and I, Evan and I have notes in front of us, and you know our our preparation is key. And you know I I I think what you said is true, Evan. I mean the stuff that I say I'm going to do, I'm going to go forward and do that. And I think I take pride in that. Would level up like. I mean what I say, and you know I, I try to set the expectations with coaches that we're bringing in. Like, hey, if I'm bringing you on in the coach, this is what I expect from you. And you know, having Evan as a co-host, he's been unbelievable just because he can talk about things that I just I, I can't talk about. Mm. And hopefully, there you know I think there's a couple of things that I can balance him out. And he's just he's just a basketball encyclopedia and just has extreme knowledge. So you know the fact that we've gone into it, honestly, we we get done with an episode, and I'm sure you have the satisfaction as well. It's like honestly. Even if nothing comes from this, like we're not expecting financial, we're not we're not looking at anything. Just, just happy you just, talk to just, them. Just build the brand. Yeah, talk, we have an hour talking with you know some unbelievable people. Mm-hmm. So for whatever it comes from it, just like the networking side of it has been so phenomenal, and you know we're just having fun. That's yeah, the and I, thing. I also think the the feedback too is also rewarding because I don't know if you remember when your your first podcast got published, you probably felt like it was your birthday. Like, oh man, I can't believe people. Because it it wasn't even coming from a place. It was like I didn't know you did that at Cortland. I didn't know that Kendrick Lamar wore your jersey. I didn't. You know what I'm saying? All of those different beats. Um, I want to go back to Evan. Um, what are the unhidden things from running a podcast that you like didn't think of um, now that you know, <laughs> now that you're a little bit into the game that you didn't expect that you had to do? Well, the mental preparation, just getting to know the people that we're going to have as a guest. Like, there's so much that you want to get to and then the time management of actually conducting a podcast you only have a certain amount of time 
to really get to all the talking points before either the time's up or it gets a little stagnant and just being able to manage, all right, like this is what we're talking about first. This is the phases of his life. And you don't want to also sound like a Wikipedia page. Like you want to talk about real genuine things as well. So just the time management of a podcast is probably something that Jesse definitely is something that we both need to improve on. It's something for you. It's just so fluent. It's just natural for you at this point. You just let it just flow. When did it? When did you put two and two together that I'm the same uh, person that has your games on court three on Monday at 6.15 at Island Garden? The first time ever. I didn't know referee rant was until probably I was not even when I was an assistant coach until I was the head coach. It's like a little bit before Jesse went on. I think somebody shared your Instagram page, and I looked at it, and I was like, shoot, that's the same guy. This is the ref. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, who would have thought that he was the referee rank guy? Like, I take pride in not speaking about it when I'm refing. No, and it's great. It's it's you're obviously humble of who you are, and you shouldn't be referred to as oh, I'm the referee rank guy. Like you're Ralph, you're a ref, and you're just a genuine human being that's trying to do his job the best that he can. I feel like you're never going to yell at me anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> that's that's, that's what that's what's going to get out. Don't of get, this. Don't get your hopes up. A little bit. Are, are, we, are, we taking, are we taking bets? <laughs> Are we taking bets? I mean, look, Jesse still yells at me, but it's it's like from a different type of place now. It's like you give me a look, and I'm like, all right, man, I'll I'll listen. One one thing that I've learned with running a program and and, and dealing with refs is that I feel like, and you know how this is as well, being a ref, all eyes are on you at all points. I feel like I'll be honest with you. After like, there's times the Island Garden, I'm coaching five teams. I have five teams back to back. I'm talking about five hours in a row. I'm dealing with parents. I'm dealing with kids. I'm talking dealing with strategies. After it's all said and done and I go home, like when I when I take a seat on my couch, I am laid up because I am mentally <laughs> oh my God. exhausted. I got a good story for you. This happened last year too. Um I came I just went to uh I was at Monsignor Scanlon. I had a game, it was raining and it was like raining so crazy. I'm talking to Amanda at the front desk. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm definitely gonna be late because I'm all the way in the Bronx. I come and it was you. And we had a game, and there was a leak, and I was like, Jesse, and I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm going home early because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And I was like, Jesse, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think it's unsafe to play. And you were like, I'm cool with that. And it's like you think about all of those things that I went through. It's like we don't talk about that, but that's how much we love the game, right? I'm willing to go all the way to the Bronx, do a real game, and then come back to Island Garden. Um, I'm going to ask the same question that I asked Evan. Um, what are those hidden things? And of course you have the cheat code cause you have your brother, but what are those hidden things that you learned about running a podcast that you didn't take into account? The editing. <laughs> and that goes into it. I, I oh, can thank God we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole other oh, situation. Oh, good for you. I was talking about the easy stuff, the editing, forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. Who does, who does that? My, His brother. My brother. Oh God, company. God bless you. That's so great. Because yeah, I was thinking, like, oh, you got the sound waves? Come on, Jesse, got the cheat uh, code. <laughs> he's, he's definitely given us the blueprint. But also, you know, we're talking about the pre-production, how important it was. That's what Evan spoke about. Mm-hmm. The post-production. <laughs> Me and Evan have listened to the rough drafts of what the podcast sound like, and we look at each other like, damn, like, we thought this podcast was pretty good. What, what happened? And then all of a sudden we send it over to my brother, and the final product of what it sounds like with the music involved and cutting out coughs. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds unbelievable. So, I mean, we give we thank them every single podcast that we have for, <laughs> for making it sound good. You're you're a natural talker, so you probably don't have to edit as, as much as yeah. uh, from yeah. what we're doing. But, you know, it's the post-production, the pre-production, as Evan spoke about, and the post-production is, is real. Mm. And that takes... It's time consuming. It's not just the, no, by the way, it's no, not it's, like we're doing this hour, hour and a half podcast, whatever we're doing and boop, like let's press play and like, you're good to send it yeah. off to Apple to like, let it go live. 
it's a lot that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, listen, I was um I, I always give so you know, obviously a lot of people hit me up like, Oh, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, Okay, like make ten and then talk to me. Like if you're real serious, give me give me ten topics and then we'll talk about it. And then like if they pass that step, I'll go, Okay, you ready to watch me edit? I'll, they'll they'll watch me and they'll go like I don't know if I want to wow, do. I'm like cool. okay, well, do you really want? That, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, what's going to separate yourself? Do you really want to do a podcast or do you want all of the end result that comes with it of like having some sort of fame? Of course, or, everyone wants the end results, but it's the grind that makes it all. Yeah, that this much is better. This is no different than practicing basketball. You know, like editing ums, editing all that. But you know, I will say just um, from from the guests, like I, I start to think about. What I do personally, when I think about somebody like Wally Zerbiak, I think, okay, well, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I saw him as all-time leading scorer at Cold Spring Harbor, and then I could just remember when I was refing there, you could see all those banners. So I always try to think in real time how I can relate to these people. So, you know, I think about Jesse. Jesse grew up five minutes from where I grew up, and I live in Baldwin, but it's like completely two different worlds, right? Then I think about you, and I, I think about the context of you know finding out that you're a, a Division two coach, but you, you, you turned up on a third grade team. Once you have those relatabilities, and I think since your game, your your podcast is based on basketball, it should be easy, right? It should, you never want to go like, uh, so um, Ameka, it says here, uh, I was reading your you went to a prep school, and then you went to <laughs> UConn. How did that? You don't you want to get to the point like, yo, I've been to stores, like you know. I just, Something like that. So I think I'll give you credit for is you're making this just fun, enjoyable, and just super comfortable. Like I don't even feel like I'm on a podcast. Right yeah, now. that's why I, I feel think like I'm at a bar with you, just ordering appetizers, having a drink with you right now. That's why that's I think you're not going to yell at me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I, I got you. I got you dead to right. So now you're gonna like, oh man. Nah, but in all seriousness, even talking about that moment with a lot of high school prospects that are listening to your podcast, can really learn from is. You never know who's in the gym. You never know who you're talking to. You never know who you're dealing with. Mm. Because think about if I would have responded the way that, if I would have had the wrong reactions to the way that you were calling all those travels and me getting mad at you and not having the self-reflection on, you know, what he was right. And I need to do things a little bit differently moving forward. Yeah, you, well, might, you might tell someone that, you know, like this is my experience with him. Like he's a little crazy. No, a little no, I, I wouldn't have done you that. You wouldn't. But yeah, I mean, other listen, people might do that. I'm not the type of person. I always go like, you never know who that person is. Yeah. Like, you always have to be a good person. You Very true. Be humble. You mm -hmm. always have to be respectful no matter who that person is. Cause you never know what you might need from that person. Yeah. The relationship that you have it's just anything. The basketball world is a small place. Yeah. I think every, like there's a lot of people that intertwine, whether we know,